Hey guys, Nick from the Pro Wrestling Podcast, and today's episode is brought to you by Suspicious Behavior Comics. Check out their series entitled Invasion from Planet Wrestletopia. When a disgruntled professional wrestler declares himself galactic champion of the universe, Earth is invaded by a planet of wrestling aliens who view it as an act of war. The issues are full of action, excitement, and even some obscure wrestling references. Check them out on Twitter at SBP underscore comics. Once again, at SBP underscore comics. And be sure to catch them on the Comixology app for Android and iOS devices. Hey guys, it's the hardcore icon, Just Incredible. I want you to listen to the best podcast in the world, Pro Wrestling Podcast. Follow them on Twitter at ProWPodcast. Now that's not just the coolest, and that's not just the best. Pro Wrestling Podcast... It's just incredible. Check them out. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hold one. Arm drag. Brett screwed ref. Who are you to to doubt El Dandy? Because this guy's a serious professional. Brett screwed ref. Hold two. Arm bar. Hey, get a nice shot of the brand new. Mr. and Mrs. Hunter Hurst Helmsley. I hate you. I hate you. I hate your hat. I hate your t-shirts. I hate your wristbands. I hate your shoes. I hate your music. I hate the C-Nation. I hate everything that you stand for. So does rule. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Hole three. The moss-covered, three-handled family grenadzel. It's me, Austin. Think they got the answers. I change the questions. Oh, hell yeah! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pro Wrestling Club in Cleveland, Ohio. I am your dangerously, dashingly, strikingly sexy, ever-so-smooth-talking, ever-so-amazing host, Nick. And with me, as always, is Matt. Hello, wrestling people. How are you, Matt? Just dandy. How are you? Yeah, I, I, it seems like I can't get rid of you. I just saw you a couple hours ago. We had a baby shower in the family. I saw you there, and now I get to talk to you a couple hours later. Yeah, lucky yeah. you, huh? How much do I have to pay you to just, like, go somewhere and just, like, stay in that one spot? Nick, there's not enough money in the world. I take money, that back. There probably money, is. Money, money. Sorry. I had to. Anyway. So, you want to hit the show, the Gmail is ProWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Once again, ProWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash ProWrestlingPod. Once again, Facebook.com slash ProWrestlingPod. The Twitter page at w at w at pro w podcast once again at pro w podcast prowrestlingpod.blogspot.com is your official website blogs interviews episodes all that good stuff once again prowrestlingpod.blogspot.com available on iTunes Google Podcasts Spotify YouTube right here on Anchor so Matt we've uh, we've had some uh, interesting uh, wrestling 
these past few weeks, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, I'm looking forward to this show. Yeah, honestly, I am too. I, I didn't, I don't know, it's weird because I was looking forward to it. And, and usually when we have like the two weeks in between me and you, mostly you, um, you tend to write down a lot of like the, the talking points and we briefly go over it before we start recording. Um, I kind of like do a little mental checklist of things I want to talk about. And this is really, I think, the first time a lot of our stuff really synced up, which I think is kind of a good thing because it just shows how much stuff there really is to talk about, in my opinion. So with that being said, let's, I don't want to say let's get out the way, but let's talk about your who, who, who is the 24-7 champion. Okay, Nick, let's talk about who, 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 who is the 24-7 champion. Who is the segment? It is. It's your favorite segment. Well, before we get into it, uh, the current champion right now is R-Truth. And I just want to point this out. R-Truth is now in his 20th reign as a 24-7 champion. So, in other words, we live in a world where R-Truth has won a title more than Ric Flair. Yes. But However, it's not a world title, so it's I don't know how much that really no. matters. <laughs> but in terms of championships, Ric Flair has, or our truth has held more championships than Ric Flair. I would, well, probably not. He probably throws a ways to go on Flair, I would imagine, for overall championships held. But he's creeping up there. By the time it's all said and done, how many rings do you think our truth is going to rack up? I don't know. I think it depends on how long they're going to milk the cash cow that is the 24-7 championship. Um, he's he's at 20 right now. I honestly believe that the only reason why R-Truth loses that title is to quickly gain it so he can quickly lose it and keep doing that until he hits 100. Hmm, that's interesting. What, what if he wins it? What happens if he wins it? 24 times because it's the 24 7 championship or what if he wins it 247 times that would be ridiculous <laughs> would you put it past wwe to do that though no i really wouldn't <laughs> like after that 247 time like he just retires the belt he's gonna retire with the championship <laughs> He's going to present on stage at the Hall of Fame. <laughs> but anyways, let's talk about uh, the title history here. About how we got to our truth 20th reign <laughs> as champion. This is ridiculous. Oh, it's definitely ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's funny, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> well, as you all remember... Carmella was actually the 24-7 champion right. by, uh, I don't really want to say she turned on our truth because that's not really what happened. Yeah, it was kind of like a cheeky turn, I guess. I don't know what to really call it. Right. So picking up where we left off, Carmella is a champion. She goes into SmackDown's 20th anniversary show. Where she tripped and fell, and Marshmallow, who was backstage, fell on top of her, and a referee counted to three. 
So she lost it to Marshmallow. Right. Yeah, and Marshmallow, <laughs> he's a electronic music producer and DJ. EDM so, so we have multiple celebrities now who have came in and won the belt for for a quick minute. There's Enos Canner, the uh, Ford for the Knicks. Um, I'm trying to think. There was a, a Fox commentator, Marshmallow. Was there yes, any other celebrities? Yes. The mayor of Knoxville, Glenn Jacobs. Oh, that that's right. The mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee, Glenn Jacobs, who does not look a thing like Kane or Dr. Isaac Yankum. Two totally exactly. different things. Or fake diesel. But anyway. Um, Anyways, later that night, there was another title change where Carmella would win back the belt from Marshmallow. Now, this happened in the parking lot, and the title change was shown on WWE's website and social media accounts. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> First off, I need to ask you, did you know who Marshmallow was going into this? And I already know the answer. Actually, I did. I've heard what? it. What? There's a morning show in Cleveland that we listen to called Rover's Morning Glory, which is actually syndicated. Uh, they have different markets, but they've actually have talked about them before. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I never knew that. Um, no, I, I did not know who Marshmallow was, and I actually um, I got a friend at work who's huge into uh, I, I guess dubstep is still a thing, and I told him, I said, yeah, this one guy was on wrestling his name was marshmallow and his eyes lit up like it was the fourth of july and i told him i said yeah he won a title actually and his jaw dropped <laughs> <laughs> i'm like okay I, I guess that's a good thing i i mean that's cool he said he was gonna check it out but you know that's i uh, you know bringing different eyes to the product i guess have you seen him he, he's dressed like a marshmallow I would assume that's why they call him Marshmallow, then. That makes sense. But why would... I don't know. I'm, I'm just confused on this. What? Why does a Marshmallow do dubstep? I have no... I, I'm trying to give you a logical answer, but I can't think of a single reason as to why. I mean, whenever I hear... EDM or dubstep or anything. I don't want to eat a marshmallow. Like I, I don't know. Like that, they don't go hand in hand. It's not peanut butter and jelly. It's hard picturing a marshmallow on the ones and twos. On the ones and what is ones and twos? DJ term. Is it? I don't. I I don't know anything about this. I mean, all I know is Skrillex, and that's it. So I'm probably. Probably the last person to know any of this. And I'm to be honest, even you saying as much as what you have about Marshmallow surprises the living crap out of me. Just stick with me, kid. You'll learn a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really just give me the old veteran treatment? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a veteran, Nick. And do you know who else is a veteran? Who's a veteran? Tamina, who was next in line for the 24th championship. <laughs> I, I, I applaud that transition. That was the only way to bring point A being Marshmallow and point B being Tamina was the veteran. So 
congratulate kudos on that. <laughs> but she would go on and win it at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Uh, it took place in a backstage segment. Well, then later that night, uh, we see her over by the international commentary tables alongside with R-Truth and uh, Carmella. Well, Carmella actually came out of nowhere and super kicked Tamina, and our truth covered her and won his 20th championship reign. That is insane. Insane. <laughs> I just, I, I seriously love the fact that they're giving him 20 title reigns. Like, to me, that blows my mind. And I know it's a goofy, nonsensical kind of title, but. Still, like, our truth his story in WWE is kind of amazing once you think about it. Because when he first came in, there was so much hype around him that they even put him in a main event pay-per-view against John Cena. But then you fast forward, I don't know, six or seven years later, and he's this crazy, psychopathic kind of weirdo who wins a meaningless title 20 times like it's just, just such a weird transition for me to just comprehend it is a weird, is a weird thing to see someone winning the belt that many times right i mean, I mean hey. look at it like this though he has or like raven who's won the the wwe hardcore championship he's won it guess how many times um, I believe we talked about this, and I can't. Uh, I th- I, uh, was it twenty-seven? Yes, it yeah. was twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Times. Yeah, because I know Our we truth, talked about that. Our truth is at twenty, so he needs eight more wins to pass him. Which he will. I think it's inevitable. I mean that that has to be like the record for most championship reigns for a certain title. Right. Yeah, I I can't... Nothing else comes to mind outside of Ric Flair, which obviously he passed him up. So, I don't know. Where where can they possibly go from here with the 24-7 title? I I know it's just going to be... It's ridiculous nonsense. It's never going to be taken seriously. Um, Which is the whole gist of the title. It's, It's kind of just something just to, like, pass around and and it's more of an entertaining type title to where it's not like an intercontinental or even a major title to compete for but if they really wanted to they could make this into a serious thing oh they could absolutely i mean it would be nothing for braun Strowman to show up and do a running power slam to r-truth pin him and then who's gonna beat braun Strowman for that belt how many guys are going to be waiting for him backstage, willing to jump him? Exactly. I, I think it would be a very, very short list of guys. <laughs> well, moving right along. I, you know what? Let's get this out the way because I, I feel, I feel like the longer I put this off, the longer I'm going to just dread this whole episode. So we might as well just knock this out. Hell in a cell. Oh God. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. Uh, so where do we begin? <laughs> um, do, do we start with the 
three or four matches that were advertised? Do we start with the main event? Um, Let's start like this. What would you rate it on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best? Oh, a 2. A 2? A 2. Okay, I'm counting with you. I'm at a 3. Okay, well, okay, because I think we're both kind of in a universal agreement. We're going to bash the living crap out of the show. But let's try to be positive. Try being the key word. What were some positive takeaways from Hell in a Cell? It wasn't longer than what it was. (laughs) No, but in in all seriousness, a good positive takeaway from this is... There were some entertaining matches. Um, Seth Rollins and the Fiend, Bray Wyatt. It was, it wasn't bad. Uh, there were some mind games, I guess you can say, by Bray Wyatt, to where it's like no matter what Seth Rollins did, he just kept getting back up, right. which I thought was good, but it was bad at the same time. Because I feel like it made Seth Rollins look weak. Because he I, hit him with I mean, that curb stomp how many different times? Oh, jeez. It was, it was ridiculous after a while. I, I lost track, honestly. Um, if we're going to start at the main event, which is fine, um, I guess we'll adjust the elephant in the room then. What about that finish? I thought we were uh, talking about positive things. Well, the list just stopped. So... We might as well just come out and say it. The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and Seth Rollins in a Hell in a Cell match where it is no disqualification. I, I might even throw a pipe bomb on this. I don't know. We'll see how I'm feeling. In a match that is a no disqualification type match somehow ended up in a disqualification. No, it ended in no, a No, not necessarily contest. disqualification. A, a no contest. And... And in what way is that okay, booking-wise, to end it in a no contest? Because right now, now more than ever, if Bray Wyatt was to beat Seth Rollins, like I think the perception was a lot of people thought he would, you know, you, you, you kind of give him the title with the expectation of you're going to be an unstoppable force on top for a long time, Like, this is going to be your moment to win it. On the flip side, if you have Seth beat The Fiend, you do two things in that scenario. You kind of slightly bury Bray Wyatt just a smidge because it kind of stops any momentum he had at that time. But I think at the same time, you're also telling Seth Rollins that you've held the belt since WrestleMania, but you're going to hold it for even a longer amount of time. So, I think, at least for me, going into it, I had the mindset of that main event is going to tell the next few months of storytelling for WWE. And I felt like we got robbed of that completely by an ending that was just completely thrown out the window. I I honestly felt like WWE had no idea what they wanted to do. They waited till the last minute, and it bit them in the ass because that ending was one of the worst endings for a pay-per-view I think I've ever seen in my life. It was a decent match with a really bad ending. And it was like that because it just proved that 
WWE doesn't want to take the title off Seth Rollins. But at the same time, they don't want to do anything to hurt The Fiend's push. And if you have The Fiend Bray Wyatt lose, that kind of hurts his push. So this was their way of kind of protecting all of that. And and see this is but this is my big problem. It, why and WWE has done this in the past. They throw two guys in there that can't afford to lose in a match like this. Well, why would you do that then? If you know that both guys would lose a lot, why would you put them in a match together? Why not just have a third guy in the match who can eat the pen or whatever the case is, who can afford a loss? Why for, set yourself up for failure? For buy rights, for money, um, sell tickets, well, whatever. Tickets, I, mean, I understand, because, I mean, The Fiend versus Seth, that's that's a good match. That, that can practically print money. I just, sometimes you just got to look at the long-term booking of things. Like, yeah, you're going to get a good cash flow now, but in the future, you, you the cash isn't going to be nearly as great as what that match could have been. Like I just I felt like WWE just kind of in a weird way just burned both guys' momentum a little bit. If that was a regular match and it had a no contest ending, I don't think we're making as big of a deal. But the fact that it was a Hell in a Cell match, I think that's where everyone has a problem with because inside Hell in a Cell that's where things are supposed to be settled. That's where but, you get an undisputed winner of the match. And in all honesty, you should only stop that match under two circumstances. One is if one of the competitors is legitimately injured to where they, they can barely even walk. And I think the second is, and I guess this kind of goes in line with the first reason, is if they're bleeding profusely. I, I, I just feel like, other than those two reasons alone, there's no real reason why a Hell in a Cell match should end in a no contest. I kind of want to agree with you, but history has shown us that I can't really agree with that because of Mick Foley. His it's, match was never 20, stopped. It's 2019, though. I mean, we live in a world where, look at the NFL. A guy barely gets touched. They want to take him to concussion protocol just to be on the safe side. You know, I mean, we're we're not in the attitude era anymore. I understand all that, but even back then, everyone was like, they should stop the match. Like everyone. Oh, I agree. Even on commentary, Jarrah's yelling, somebody stop the damn match. But it doesn't make it right either that fully continued with the match. I mean, the way I see it, it's not like Bray Wyatt and Seth, and no offense to either guy, they're not Mick Foley. <laughs> no one's Mick Foley. Mick Foley's on a level of his own. And another thing to that point, though, is Mick Foley, he, they were going off script with him. Like, when he got chokeslammed through the cell, that wasn't supposed to happen. That right. alone cause, was reason enough to stop the match, which they, which they didn't. Everything Mick that Foley happened died that night. Put it that way. Everything that happened in Seth Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt's match was scripted. It was mm-hmm. planned. So I think 
Yeah, the Mick Foley match should have been stopped because what was going on wasn't supposed to go on. Whereas with Seth Rollins, they stopped that match because of storyline, and I don't like that. Yeah, and you know, I will give if if there is a silver lining in things, I do kind of feel like while Bray Wyatt's momentum, in my personal opinion, got derailed a little bit. I kind of feel like, in a weird way, it also helped him because look at all that stuff that Seth was doing, and it seemed like Bray was just constantly still getting up. It was very Michael Myers-esque, you know? Like, anytime Michael Myers gets down, he's pretty much right back up. And they kind of use that same concept with Bray a little bit. And, I mean, I'm okay with that, but, again, you really have to look at the bigger picture of things. And I, I kind of feel like that's where the match got lost in translation. It's funny you mentioned all that, because watching it live, I had that same thought. Yeah, I, I mean, I love The Fiend. I think The Fiend is, obviously, it's the best thing in WWE right now, but it's just very hard to figure out where he goes now. I, I don't know. I really don't know. But... Other results, we have Charlotte Flair defeating Bailey in a submission match, or via submission, for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. Oh, we'll get to more of that. Uh, Chad Gable defeating King Corbin. The Viking Raiders... Oh, oh, go ahead. Before you move on from that match, what do you think of Chad Gable's new name, Shorty Gable? Shorty Gable! Um, it's just Vince poking fun. It's, it's not the first time he's done it. It won't be the last. Um, like uh, I remember a couple years ago when Natalia had that farting gimmick that was Vince just being Vince I don't know Vince loves middle school humor so it it doesn't surprise me that they're calling him Shorty Gable now Um, it is disrespectful but but, you know you you have to also consider the source I think see that aggravates me because they're trying to push him and Vince McMahon's like oh let's call him Shorty Gable well, I actually read a report that said that Vince is actually only doing this because he actually genuinely likes Chad Gable. And he's doing just so, like, he thinks like he's his pal or something. I just don't like the name. I, I don't either. It's stupid. I mean, I'd be okay with it if it was used as a nickname, like Chad Shorty Gable. Right. Shorty Chad Gable or something. Right. You know, but the fact that they literally on SmackDown had a graphic that said Shorty Gable. I mean, come on, dude. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, the Viking Raiders and Braun Strowman defeating the OC. Now, I am really starting to grow with the Viking Raiders. I, I'm really starting to love their in-ring work. Um, they're finally clicking, I think, especially after that whole name fiasco when they got called up. Why they just didn't called them the War Raiders like they were in NXT. I don't know. Um, Braun I'm is out there. I'm happy that they're done facing enhancement talent. Yeah, it's been a long time. It's, it's, it's weird, though. WWE completely changed their names when they got up to the main roster. Their name got changed. Like It was like, okay, we're just going to totally ignore everything they did in NXT. Got it. Um I, I feel like the OC losing isn't a big deal. Um, AJ's AJ. He'll be fine. Gallows and Anderson, I think it kind of 
hurts them, but I don't think it, it matters a whole lot, not necessarily right now. Um, and, I don't know, Braun is Braun. I don't know if there's really any other way to put it. I mean, Braun, I think, is one of those few guys that a win or a loss doesn't really matter for him. Yeah, I mean, it's he's just one of those guys to where they don't have a whole lot going on for him right now. So he can afford it. Right. The Kabuki Warriors defeating Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. Um, uh, positive from this one is I was surprised that they put the belts on the Kabuki Warriors. I think we all were. So, I, really- I mean, I, I like it when they can pull off surprises like that. Uh, I'm glad that, like, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, they're not going their separate ways just yet. By the way, um, did you ever think that Alexa Bliss wouldn't turn on Nikki Cross? Like, I kind of feel like at some point they're just using Nikki to just platform Alexa. But the fact that they actually stayed a tag team is surprising to me. How would you feel if Nikki Cross is the one that turns heel and betrays Alexa Bliss? Um... I like it. I, I mean, but the thing is, is that if you do that, and this is WWE's weakness, in my opinion, is that whenever they turn someone heel, they tend not to really follow up with that person for a little bit. And I hope that wouldn't be the case in that scenario, because I really enjoy Nikki Cross, especially in what she did in NXT. So I'm in favor of it as long as it gets used properly. Yeah, me yeah. too. Randy defeating Ali. Um, Which I, was a completely dumb match. There's yeah. no point to it. I mean, lost one of hurt Randy Orton. Ali, he's been losing a lot lately. So I just feel like, you know, you're not really giving him much to work with at this point. Um, he's a sitting duck. Yeah, um, I just... I just was surprised to see that match even happen. Like, I understand uh, part of the story behind it was Randy Orton was the one that injured Ali, which caused Kofi to take his spot, and Kofi blew up and became champion and all that. Um, But you don't need it for a pay-per-view. That could have been done on SmackDown. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns defeating Luke Luke Harper and Eric Rowan in a tornado tag team match. I'm a little bummed. I did not see this match, and I really, actually, really wanted to see this. Um, we were actually, as I think I've mentioned it on the show before, we Skype call her parents every Sunday night, and it ran into this match, and I was really bummed out. But um, was it any good? Was it bad? Uh, it's just, see, this is what I have against Hell in a Cell. It, the matches that weren't inside Hell in a Cell, to me, they felt like any other match you would see on SmackDown or Raw. There's nothing special to them. Nothing too special about them. Alright. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, do you at least like the pairing of Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns? Unlikely allies, that kind of storyline? It was interesting, I guess. I mean, it's nothing new. They've done it in the past. And yeah. you know as well as I do, that was just a one-off. Right. 
Becky Lynch defeating Sasha Banks via submission and side held himself for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. Um, I, I don't know if I fully like the decision of Becky going over, but I think at the same time, I kind of see why they did it. They don't have a woman on the roster right now that is as popular as Becky Lynch. So I can understand why they want to keep the belt on her. Exactly. And this match, there was some action outside the Hell in a Cell structure. It was before the match started. And then they finally made their way into the ring. And Becky Lynch actually had the chain. And eventually she walked over and she locked the door shut herself. Mm-hmm. But I think it was Sasha Banks that initially took the chain. And she tried using it as a weapon or maybe somehow Becky Lynch got it. And she wrapped around her fist and was hitting Sasha with it. And it's an interesting note that this match was actually the longest match of the night. 21 minutes. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm surprised they didn't give that to the longest match to Brain the Fiend, honestly. Yep, you'll have to excuse me if I'm I'm trying so hard not to do it on air, but um, I actually just got back from dinner right before we did this, and I am I have had burps nonstop, and I'm trying so hard not to burp on air. So if I do let one slip, I apologize. Boy, I'll tell you what: if you have a Cracker Barrel near you, you need to go because their food is delicious. Plus, they got that triangle game. Oh, that's right. I didn't even see that on our table, though, when we went. I got, like, like two or three of those somewhere at the house. Those things are fun. They're addicting. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't think of it because it's just a stupid little game. And it's like, when you you first look at it, you're like, oh, this is stupid. But then next you know, you're like four or five games into it. And you still can't figure it out. You can't figure it out. Well... Let me tell you someone who's trying to figure things out, and I would actually say that that would be Daniel Bryan. That's how you do a transition, my friend. That was decent. I like mine better. Yours was a lot better, actually. Um, I don't know anything about this, because I don't go on dirt sheets anymore, or spoiler sites, whatever you call them. So I don't know anything about Daniel Bryan possibly retiring, so you're going to have to fill me in on this. Okay, well, Daniel Bryan was a guest on the Bella podcast. Hmm, wonder how he got booked for that one. Oh, it it had to have been very hard to book him, I'm sure. (laughs) But uh, he had this to say about retirement. He said, my retirement from full-time wrestling, which will be coming up sooner rather than later in the next couple of years, that probably won't mean retirement for Brie Bella, for how busy you are, he said. It will probably be me taking on more of a parental role. And so depending on jobs and that sort of thing, that's been a nice switch in society that can happen. Hmm. So it sounds like he said my retirement from full-time wrestling. So I take it as in the next couple of years, he may retire from doing it all the time like he does now to maybe guest appearances like for a crown jewel for a wrestlemania that kind of thing 
so semi-retirement, sort of like Undertaker in a weird way. Like, right. Taker only comes out for the big events, so it, it's something along those lines. Um, it doesn't surprise me, given the state of his neck and his spine and, and all those unfortunate injuries that we've seen Steve Austin and Edge get and um, the, the, the effect it can have on the longevity of your career. I know that there was a lot of talk that Daniel, at one point, Daniel Bryan was thinking about just opting out of WWE and just working on the indies like he said he would. I don't know if Bree changed his mind. I don't know what went on there, but all I got to say is if he does, even if it is a semi-retirement, I think that that would even be the best call. Like, it, look, I love Daniel Bryan. He's always been one of my favorites since he got to the main roster, but... It's just, I've seen this injury before, and it's just it's such a scary thing. And so when he came back, I was happy, but I was, I would say, a lot more nervous than happy because I was afraid he was going to land wrong, and God forbid something happened. Um, thankfully, that hasn't happened, but I think that this is the right move for Daniel Bryan. Now, if you would have waited... And opted out of his contract like he said he was going to do. Can you imagine how much different AEW would be? Because I'm willing to bet he would have ended up there. I would actually beg to differ. I think he would actually go either to Ring of Honor or New Japan. Ring of Honor, it's, it's like his home. You know, uh, He said that in podcasts that he always felt like it was a brotherhood. Um, at the same time, I, I know that he... I, I think his style, and, and this is just me talking, but I would have loved to see him in New Japan just because his style is like almost on par with what they do over there. I don't know, because I think AEW would have been uh, on his radar because of the TV deal, uh, because of the talent that they've brought in since they debuted with Dynamite. Well, and, and we're going to be talking about AEW in just a moment, but I think that Daniel Bryan, if he does eventually retire, would you like to see him be a manager eventually? Uh, that one I'm not sure about. Because it's just we've seen it with Paige because since she's not medically cleared, um, She's been off TV because she had to get some kind of surgery done. Um, and we, we even see it now with Sami Zayn, someone who I believe is medically cleared, managing Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, so it kind of seems like they're exploring, at the very least, the avenue of wrestlers who are medically cleared or even not medically cleared, managing other wrestlers. And if that's the theme, I wouldn't mind seeing him I just don't know who I would pair him Maybe with, like, a Chad Gable I could see, but I don't know. There's not really going to be a long list of people I would pair him with if he's a manager. See, I think if you're going to do that, what you need to do is you need to let him... I'm going to use air quotes. I know it's a <laughs> podcast. You guys can't see me, but they need to air have quotes. him, like, retire from wrestling. And then maybe, like, two years down the road, three years down the road, uh, you bring him back in to manage some guy. You would wait that long? Yeah, I would. Because this way, 
he's out of everyone's mind. And when he comes back to man somebody, it'll be such a shock. And people tune in, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember when Daniel Bryan was on TV. He did this, he did that. I just think that's the way to do it. I mean, I guess I could see that. That's not bad. I just don't know if I would wait that long, maybe a year, but I don't know. That's actually a very good point. I mean, that's that's interesting. You have to you have to sell the retirement from wrestling. True. And I think you would have to do it that way. Now, whether you want to keep him under a contract for that long, I mean, maybe you could have him show up at. Uh, conventions to sign autographs and not really advertise them on TV or anything like that. Yeah, that, that I like that. Matt, wow, Matt, you actually said something intelligent. I'm proud of you. Oh, that was good. Uh, <laughs> now, we talked about Daniel Bryan retiring. What about if we flip the coin a little bit and talk about someone coming out of retirement? And that is the rated R Super Star. Every time. <laughs> My voice cracked a little bit. Um, Edge, possibly coming out of retirement. Yeah, this yeah. kind of started all the way back at SummerSlam, believe it or not, when Edge made a surprise appearance during the kickoff show. Now, if you remember, he hit Elias with a spear. And then, uh, of course, rumors start going around. And then uh, an episode of the ENC Pod of Awesomeness. Greatest said, name ever. What did you say? Greatest name ever. Oh, absolutely. Totally reeks of awesomeness. Totally. Uh, but he said, to be perfectly honest, I think I could do a match tomorrow. So if we fast forward to this past week, rumors again start flying around that Edge may be on his way back. Uh, Dave Metzler wrote in the latest Wrestling Observer newsletter that Edge was able to negotiate a new deal with WWE by also listening to offers from AEW. And on Friday, Wrestling and MMA Insider, this is a Twitter name, at Fight Oracle, claimed outright that Edge had been medically cleared for a return match. But uh, Edge, and I guess from what the Twitter account at Fight Oracle said, they said Edge, a.k.a. at Edge Radar, has been medically cleared to to return to in-ring competition for at WWE. No word currently on when he will wrestle, but he's medically cleared and under contract with the WWE. The account wrote to which Edge responded on Twitter with, No, I'm not, and no, I'm not. <clears throat> so, well, and this has always been a thing, though. Like, Edge isn't the first, and he's not going to be the last. Do you think that was just a red herring to kind of just throw us off the scent? What, by Edge saying, No, I'm not, and no, I'm not? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if he is cleared to wrestle, he ain't going to say anything because he's under contract. Exactly. WWE's going to want to save that. Yeah. So, hypothetically, if he does come back, who would you pair him with? And I, I got the perfect person. 
I think with Edge and that kind of injury, whoever you pair him with, it has to be a careful worker. Someone that's not known for hurting people in the ring. Yeah. You want to hear my names? Let's hear them. Well, I have two. Originally I had one, but then another name. This was the name that popped in my head later. And that would be Baron Corbin. Um, Because I think that right now the biggest heel, in my opinion, in WWE is Baron Corbin. And I think that if you were to pair him up with someone who's obviously going to get a pop from the crowd in Edge, I just think that it would be... First off, I think Corbin would be able to work that crowd very well when it comes to dealing with Edge. And obviously Corbin would know his sole purpose would be just to get Edge over as if he needs it, but I digress. But the name I originally was going to say, and this it's funny you brought up the whole safe worker thing, I was going to say AJ Styles. AJ is has been known to be a very safe worker in the ring. So in my opinion, it only makes sense. Why not have one of the safest workers you have go up against someone who had a very serious neck injury? So, I don't know. For, for me, it was a no-brainer. Okay, I have a couple names now. Okay. Uh, to me, the obvious one would be Elias, since at right. SummerSlam, Edge speared him. Me do something where Edge comes out. Hey, I'm medically cleared. I can wrestle again. Elias comes out and confronts him about the whole spear at SummerSlam thing. My other name I have for you would be Randy Orton. Oh, little rated RKO going on. I think that would be a draw, and plus there's history there. And I'm sure Randy Orton knowing Edge and his history uh, would be extra careful with him in the ring, that kind of thing. By the way, I also oh, kind of feel the same ahead. the same way about John Cena. Maybe Cena could come in for a, a program with him. Just for old time's sake. Yeah, kind of like with Randy Orton, they know each other. I'm sure Cena would be well aware of uh, Edge's physical well being and that kind of thing. What match would you want to see more? And I'm basing this like purely off of rivalries. Edge versus John Cena or Edge versus Matt Hardy? John Cena. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I kind of feel like John Cena was the obvious answer in that. I just wanted to get your feel for it because Matt Hardy, he's definitely slowed down. And I mean, he's definitely not the Matt Hardy of 2005 when the whole love triangle angle happened. I wouldn't mind seeing another Hardy Boys versus Edge and Christian match. I think that would be good. Well, that was another question I was going to have. Is is Christian technically retired? Yeah, he actually came out uh, maybe a year or two ago and said that he's officially retired. Imagine if he comes out of retirement, Edge comes out of retirement, Devon already works for WWE. The Hardys still work for WWE. Imagine if they could get Bubba Ray. Although, I don't know if he's signed to like Impact or anything. I honestly don't know what Bubba Ray's up to. But Last I heard, he's in Ring of Honor. Okay. 
I'm so not that, sure if he's still there or if he's under contract somewhere else, but that was the last I've heard. Give him a bunch of money, you know, and just, like, at a future SummerSlam, have all three, like, I, I don't know, because, like, if you do that, you might want to have it be a TLC, and I don't know if they can put up with any more TLCs. Uh, probably not at their age. I mean, you figure they have you, like, in their 20s or 30s, and now they're probably in their 40s and 50s. Yeah. Yeah, they all got kids and everything. <laughs> right. That, 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 you could always say that for Saudi Arabia, though, because they love to put legendary matches that are just god-awful together in the Middle East. So why not? I mean, I'm sure it would work there, right? Anyway. I'm looking uh, up Bubba Ray right now, and he has signed the Ring of Honor. And we're talking about how old these guys are. Bubba Ray is 48 years old. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, please. Well, well, don't Don't do anything else, man. Don't jump off of anything. Well, I, for one, hope to see Edge comes back. I know you do, too. We'll have to wait and see. But how about we move to a little bit of a lighter, positive note? We can only just touch on this if you want. Randy Orton possibly taking on The Rock at WrestleMania? Yeah, I kind of hope this happens. I think it would be a good match. I think it would, too. So give me the scoop. What's, What's going on? I actually started on Twitter. Okay. Uh, on October 3rd, Randy Orton had tweeted at The Rock, I see you will be at SmackDown on Fox this Friday. How about you and I have a discussion about who's the greatest third generation of all time, and we answer the question April 5th in Tampa at WrestleMania 36. A viper sense of smell is unmatched. I smell what you're cooking. (laughs) And then on October 5th, he tried again. He tweeted a picture of himself standing next to this big cardboard cutout of John Cena. (laughs) I saw that. (laughs) He goes, "Um, miss you at John Cena with a emoji of a kissy face. But what was he doing in the picture? I don't know. <laughs> he, he put his hand over John Cena's uh, thugonomics, we'll call. <laughs> his thugonomics. <laughs> uh, I, I actually didn't notice that part. I noticed he kind of leaned in like he was kissing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he then put, P.S., can you talk to At The Rock and see what his hashtag WrestleMania plans are for 2020? Asking for a friend. <laughs> You gotta give credit to Orton, man. He's trying. And The Rock finally responded on the 7th with, you think Bobo Sr. and Chief Maya Villa, along with our pops, Bob Jr. and the Soul Man, ran up and down those roads for decades taking bumps just so we can sell out WrestleMania 36 so you can RKO my ass through the earth? My body's still recovering from that evolution beatdown you gave me at WrestleMania 20 with like a <laughs> laughing, crying emoji. And then Randy Orton re- uh, replied to him by saying, uh, My man. So I guess that's a no. I love the back and forth. I really do. I'd, look, I, I think Orton really wants a WrestleMania match with The Rock. Maybe it's a bucket list item for him. 
And honestly, there's no reason for anyone not to be in favor of that. I'm actually hoping that they already have plans for this, and this is like the beginning. Planting the seeds. Right. I hope eventually this all makes its way onto television. And then finally The Rock does come back, no pun intended, and he comes back to the WWE and uh, maybe he accepts the match. I hope so. I, I really hope so. Now, I want to switch gears just for a second, and I want to talk about AEW. Um, within the past two weeks, we've had Dynamite, their Wednesday night offering, uh, go head-to-head with NXT. Now, uh, NXT being on USA, AEW being on TNT. And I want to point out the first immediate thing that jumps out is the ratings to me. Um, the very first week, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, um, honestly, I'd, I mean, people, you probably already know this by now. Week one, uh, AEW, for lack of a better word, blew NXT out the water rating-wise. Um, however, I don't want to say I discredit it. I didn't really put too much stock into that just because AEW is the new kid in town. You want to see what it's all about. NXT, it's even though it's been on the WWE Network, you kind of know what to expect. Yeah, they yeah. ran shows weekly uh, right. just on the network. AEW, you've only seen pay-per-views of them. Exactly. So that first week, I didn't put a whole lot of stock into it personally. However, that very first week, we saw the uh, TV return, so to speak, of Jake Hager, formerly Jack Swagger in WWE, followed by the very next week. Well, actually, let me back up a little bit. So, I, and I can't remember the exact main event of the first week. However, it saw uh, LAX, Chris Jericho, uh, Sammy Guevara, and Jake Hager basically annihilate. Like, it was just a, a crazy finish to the first week. Um, they were taking on the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, a.k.a. the Elite. And it, it was just, it was wild. John Moxley came out. He took out Kenny Omega. And then from there, after the match, LAX were beating down the Young Bucks. Same with Jericho. It, it was just, it was, it was insane. What did you think of that first show? The first show... The first show was entertaining. Um, I would give it maybe a seven and a half out of ten if we're going by that scale. Um, it was a great show. It was fantastic. Everything flowed nicely. Um, the only thing, and for me, this was kind of a major thing, was that it seemed whenever they they didn't have a lot of mic time, but whenever they did, it always seemed like someone was interrupting someone on the mic, and it kind of gotten away from them at least telling a little bit of the story. But outside of that, the show was was phenomenal, in my opinion. Um, well, I, I think that's where they're going to differ from WWE. There's not going to be as much talking, which I'm, I'm okay with. Yeah, but you do need talking to. Uh, move storylines along. Um, the show started with Cody Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara. And I don't know how you feel about this, but I have a hot take about that. Oh, go for it. I thought it was selfish on Cody Rhodes' part to have the first ever match on Dynamite feature him. 
going over right. on Sammy Guevara. It's his promotion. He's going to open up the the show by being the first match. And of then, course. And then, like, his buddies, who also have a hand in AEW, they're going to be in the main event. Of course. How many times? Okay, if you're going to have that mentality about AEW, then you should have the same for WWE. How many times has Vince won a title or Triple H main evented something and, and won a major title? The difference, though, is when Triple H was main eventing and winning titles and that kind of thing, it wasn't because of who he married. He worked his way from the bottom all the way up to that point. And I no way. think he deserved it. But in no way am I discrediting what you're saying. However, you can't deny the fact that towards the end, especially during the Evolution days, that he had a hand in burying people and saying who he thinks should be at the top. I mean, look, the story's out there now. How long has he tried putting CM Punk down? He didn't want Punk to be a star. I agree with you on the back part of Triple H's career. But when he was finally in the main event during like the Attitude Era, I I don't see it. I think he earned that spot. I think with Cody Rhodes opening his own show like that, I'm okay if Cody Rhodes won like a mid card spot. He may have like a an opening match featuring some younger talent, maybe some lesser known people who can like move around and fly around the ring to kind of like get the crowd going a little bit. Well, see, okay, here, here's where I think you're kind of confusing something because Cody technically doesn't own AEW. I mean, he co-owns it with Tony Khan. So who's that not to say it. it does, but who's not to say Cody said, no, I don't really want to be in the first match, but Tony, but Tony Khan said, no, I want you in the first match. I mean, there's no way of us knowing that Cody wanted to be in that first match. Okay, but he also went over on Sammy Guevara. Okay, I mean, but that doesn't mean that it was his decision. It's just, it's, it's one of those things that we don't know. I, I just, I wasn't a fan of seeing it like that. Uh, well, I mean, and you, you said that, oh, well, Triple H earned it. I think Cody earned it, too. I mean, look at, he... When Dave Meltzer said, oh, an indie show can't fill a 10,000-seated arena, Cody said, I'll take that bet, and he did it. And then all the shows between All In to All Out sold out in record time. I think Cody should have absolutely 100% have opened the show. Well, how do you feel about uh, the main event with... uh... All of with uh, with the elites and Chris Jericho and and all of them. Yeah. Um. All elite. They are all right. Do the Young Bucks own part of the company? Are they co-owners like Cody Rhodes? They are executive producers. They do not own AEW. Okay. How do you feel about executive producers being in the main event? <sighs> I'm and I'm fine with it. I mean, 
Uh, honestly, it, I don't think it's going to bother me. Like, it would have bothered me, put it this way, if Cody won the AEW Championship, the Young Bucks won the Tag Team Championships, if they kept that kind of thing going, then I would have been annoyed. But the fact that, it, like, if they're just main eventing TVs, I, I could care less about that. Maybe I'm just pre-annoyed. Pre-annoyed? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm making up a word. I think I'm pre-annoyed. Because... You're, you're, you're raging as a wrestling fan, is what it is. <laughs> because I've seen it before to where uh, a wrestling promoter will get involved in the ring for his promotion. And it's only a matter of time before he pushes himself to like main event, uh, championship, that kind of thing. And I'm afraid of that happening here. I mean, I'm not saying Cody Rhodes doesn't deserve the world title. I'm not saying the Young Bucks don't deserve the tag team titles. But it's just something I'm kind of afraid that they might constantly keep winning those those belts. Well, I, I think it's okay if they have multiple reigns. I see what you're saying, though. Like, you just don't want them to get carried away with it. And right. I, I agree. I mean, it takes the fun out of everything. Now... Fast forward to week two, you sent me a text and you're just mind blown over the Young Bucks taking on Private Party in the very first round of the AEW Tag Team title tournament. And I fully, look, I, I, would you say that that could possibly be match of the year candidate? Well, I sent you a text and it said, just watch the Young Bucks versus Private Party, dot, dot, dot. Holy S. <laughs> yeah, I and I saw that work, and I just I, I got a big smile on my face because that match to me really defines what AEW is about. And I told this to Rebecca, and she agreed. Was that when it, when Raw or SmackDown's on? Okay, I'm kind of on my phone a lot, but when AEW was on, I wasn't on my phone. I was just watching in excitement through the whole two hours of the show. And part of me is like, is is that wrong? Because, like, I feel like WWE is, like, this old girlfriend, right? Like, this this, this high school sweetheart that you've known for years. And then AEW... And been together with for years. Right. And, like, AEW is, like, this, this insanely hot chick that just moved in, you know, like, two houses down from you. You know what I mean? Like it, it feels weird wanting and to like watch any time when you're moving from your car to the house, you look over in that direction, see if she's outside. <laughs> okay, now we're starting to get oddly specific here. <laughs> are you are you creeping like that? <laughs> you, okay, I don't know if you'll know what I'm talking about or not, but there's this meme that goes around where it's like this guy is like walking with his girlfriend but he turns his head and like he he makes like this face and like his his girlfriend that he's walking with is like angry at him because he's sort of like staring at another girl i don't know if you know what that meme is or not no i don't think so okay never mind you you wouldn't have gotten the reference then but it's it's very weird to say that there's this new hot girlfriend that I'm paying attention to as opposed to old reliable in WWE. Um, 
AEW shows have kept me on the edge of my seat, and honestly, these first two weeks, I'm going to give those first two weeks an 8 out of 10. So you're judging both shows together? Yeah, sure. I thought the first show was really good. The second show, I thought, was uh, telling about what AEW is going to be about. Because that first show is kind of like, oh, we've been, this is the first show on TNT in so many years. They kept saying that, which is right. fine. You know, it's the first show. Make a big deal of it. Yeah. Uh, the second show, like I said, it was more telling of what they're going to be about. And I thought the second show was, wasn't quite as good as the first, but it was still good. Right. So, uh, I don't know. You said an eight. I'd probably go maybe, if we're judging both shows as, as a whole, I'm probably about a seven. So, are you sold on the AEW hype, or do you still want to give it some time? I still want to give it some time because the hype is still in the air. Uh, you got to let that kind of cool down a little bit. That's fair. Because right now, uh, the ratings also kind of tell a story. Like you said, they're blowing NXT out the water. And there's a reason for that. It's because they're still new. Well, and just, I need to point out that they did blow NXT out the water this week as well. However, both ratings were still down. Now, a lot of that did have to do with uh, the MLB playoffs being on TV here in the United States. So... I don't know. I mean, I kind of think that once the baseball season is over, the playoffs and the World Series, I kind of want to see what those numbers are like after that. Right. So, we'll see. I got to tell you, though, I just looked up that meme you're talking about, and there's a couple different versions. There's the one you were talking about where they're walking together, the girlfriend's giving him this nasty look like why are you looking at her <laughs> and he's looking at this girl in like a reddish kind of dress right and then there's another one where he's hugging his girlfriend but looking at this blonde that's walking by and his girlfriend's also kind of giving him the stink eye over it can i ask you a question what the uh, hell did, what the hell did you type into google Guy checking that woman meme. <laughs> Should probably be careful with what kind of links you're clicking when you're typing that. I mean, it's all the same people. They're like in different um, situations. Right. But I mean, you, you get the gist of it, right? Like, right. Like that. Like, I feel like the guy in that case, <laughs> you know? Well,. I, I, for one, I really do hope it's not all smoke and mirrors. I, I don't think it is, but I, I do agree. I think we should wait a little bit and see what happens when the smoke dies down. Um, moving on, however, we have got to talk about this WWE draft that happened. But first, this segment is sponsored by PowerSlam TV. PowerSlam TV has the top promotions and celebrities in the pro wrestling world offering events, shoots, and other related content available for the first time in a single massive location that can be watched on smartphones, computers, and connected TVs. PowerSlam TV showcases premium pro wrestling content from countries all over the world. Use the promo code ProWrestlingPod, all one word, ProWrestlingPod, for a month free on us. Visit PowerSlam.tv 
for more info. Now, this draft, okay, um, there, there's a lot of question marks, I think. I think that's fair to say when it comes to this draft. Um, essentially, the first half of the draft was on Friday Night SmackDown. Now, the second half of it will be on Monday Night Raw. And it basically goes that for every two picks that SmackDown gets, Raw gets three. I don't know if I like that rule right off the bat. I get it. I just don't know if I like it. Um, also, uh, and this, this has been a universal rule with the draft, is that tag teams, um, th you could draft a tag team, but if you want a only one of those wrestlers, then you can draft just a single wrestler. Um, I don't think I'm really missing any rules, but I do want to point out that I love the fact that for the draft, they acted as USA and Fox sort of being like sports teams vying for talent as opposed to having a general manager on Raw and a general manager on SmackDown. I love the fact that it, they're basically saying it's network versus network. I thought it was a little over the top having the war rooms. Oh, that was absolutely I'm, over the top. I mean, the Fox one, they actually had like that robot looking thing from <laughs> NFL football. I thought that was funny. I thought it was funny at first, but then like when they show them like the millionth time, I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah. But they, yeah, I think overall, like before we get into the actual draft picks, how did you feel about the way they presented this draft as opposed to all the other times they've had a draft? I think I prefer the old way where they have general managers. I always thought that having a authority figure is kind of vital in the storylines. I think it is too. I mean, I like the fact that they had the war room since network versus network. That's great. But if you want to compare it to sports, which is obviously what WWE is doing, they're trying to make it more sportier, and that's fine. But what does every franchise have? A coach, right? Well, I would view the general managers as like the coach of those brands. Okay. If that's the route you're going, you know, and I, I don't know. I just, that's just how I would have done it. I do like that it was brand versus or network versus network. The only thing I didn't like about the, the format was that they would have matches to determine who got draft picks and stuff. I, I, I wasn't a fan of that. Um, they only had the one match to determine that, and that was the Seth Rollins-Roman Reigns match. Yeah, but, like, why have that at all? I mean, I don't know. I just, well, I just don't like that idea. Well, you got to decide who's going to pick first. You can't do, like, a coin toss or... No, this is professional wrestling, Nick. You got to get into it. You got to see Raw versus SmackDown. You want to see... The, okay, uh, all right. You see their horns woggle? You want to see the curb stomp. You want to <laughs> see the Superman punch. You want Raw versus SmackDown. Get hyped. This is wrestling. This is what they're all about. All right. Someone is... Uh, <laughs> how much sugar have you had? Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, wow. um, all right. Damn, it's Raw versus SmackDown. I can't, I can't top that. Um. No, I don't settle things by a coin flip. 
In wrestling, they always settle it out in the ring. <laughs> okay, stop. There's no coin flips in wrestling. <laughs> No coin flips in wrestling. Um, I don't know. I, I liked it. I thought the overall presentation was different. Um, it was a lot more cheesier than what it had to be. I liked how they did trying to incorporate Fox commentators, but you could tell they're just reading off teleprompters anyway. Um, you could tell yeah. they had no idea what they were saying. No idea what they were saying. Um, I, I like it, but if that's the case, have them study up on it, you know, give them a crash course, you know, to where they sound at least halfway intelligent. Um, I mean, other than that, I, I thought that the whole night was, it was okay. Um, I, I kind of felt like there's no point in going to the Fox anchors when you have your own panel sitting there with Renee Young, Samoa Joe, and Beth Phoenix, right. and uh, Booker T. Now, here are the people who got picked and to what show. Uh, 20 picks were made um, the whole night. Uh, it doesn't, unfortunately, Wikipedia doesn't say when the first round ended. I believe they had five picks in each round, I want to say. I think that sounds right. But they I had four they, rounds. What's up? They had four rounds. Okay, so one round must have had extra. But anyway, pick one was Becky Lynch. She's staying on Raw. Pick two, Roman Reigns staying on SmackDown. The OC as a whole, including United States Champion AJ Styles, staying on Raw. The first transfer would be the Fiend Bray Wyatt at four. He went from Raw to SmackDown. Drew McIntyre staying on Raw at five. Number six, Randy Orton going from SmackDown to Raw. Number seven, Sasha Banks from Raw to SmackDown. Eight was Ricochet staying on Raw. Braun Strowman going from Raw to SmackDown. Bobby Lashley at 10. I'm surprised he cracked the top 10, but whatever. Uh, he's staying on Raw. Alexa Bliss staying on Raw at 11. Number 12, Lacey Evans, Raw to SmackDown, which I will venture to say right there, Lacey Evans could have been the steal of the night. Kevin Owens going from SmackDown to Raw. The Revival going from Raw to SmackDown as your SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Uh, Natalia staying on Raw at 15. The Viking Raiders staying on Raw at 16. 17, Lucha House Party from Raw to SmackDown. I don't understand that one. 18, Nikki Cross uh, staying on Raw with Alexa Bliss. So I don't understand why you would have both women as separate draft picks as opposed to them as a tag team. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. 19, Heavy Machinery staying on SmackDown. And number 20, we rounded it out with Rebecca's favorite tag team outside of the New Day being the Street Profits from NXT. We to... want the smoke. Sorry. Okay. Um, yeah. So there was a little questionable decisions. Um, my first take is why in the hell are you just redrafting people to the show they're already on so much? I feel like that's that was like my biggest problem with it. I mean, but then again, it's kind of hard to tell that stupid wildcard rule who was on what show. So I guess maybe this is just a definite way to say what brand they're on, I guess. Uh, it is interesting to point out, though, that with this year's draft, what they're doing is on SmackDown, the two networks, they had a list of superstars they could pick from. 
And Monday night, they're going to have a totally different list of superstars to pick from. The people that didn't get picked are considered undrafted free agents. So in this pool of undrafted free agents, you have Cesaro, Shorty Gable, (laughs) EC3. I'm not sure I'm going to say this right. He's from 205 Live. Humberto Carleo. I I know who that is. I don't know his name. Akira Tazawa, Sin Cara, Eric Young, Heath Slater, Drew Gallick, Tamina, B Team, and that's it. I mean, and I... I, on Monday Night Raw, there's going to be 26 men eligible and 12 women with five tag teams. I, like, it's cool. I just. I don't know. Like, they're trying to make it more sporty, and I, I get it. Um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of. The, the, it still has a lot of kinks to work out, but I will say, I think WWE is on the right track of doing this the way they're doing it. It's just going to take a lot of tinkering to, to deal with, in my opinion. I do got to point something out. I didn't realize this. There's some guys that aren't listed in any of the polls for uh, this year's draft. There's actually a ton, and it's kind of alarming as to why they're not. You have the Usos, the Hardy Boys, Sheamus, Leo Rush, Zelina Vega, Naomi, Lars Sullivan, Lana, Mike and Maria Canellis, Nia Jax, Mickey James, Ruby Riot, Alicia Fox, The Ascension, and The Clones. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. I mean, a lot of those people, I believe, are injured. I could be wrong, so maybe that's why they weren't in either of the draft pools. However, it's still a little weird to see. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, like Mike and Maria Canellis, they've been on TV recently. Uh, Leo Rush, he's back with NXT, so I can understand why he's not listed. Right. Um, Sheamus, we don't know if he's injured or cleared. because This uh, seems to be up in the air. It's like no one really knows. Although Wikipedia lists him as having a concussion, so I don't know. Yeah, but that hasn't at WrestleMania. I mean, right. Been... I was just going to say, like, it doesn't take that long to get cleared off concussion protocol. Right. Unless you have like a history of them and maybe they just don't want to clear you out of fear of you may get another concussion. Right. So overall, I, I think I'd give the draft, uh, I don't know, six and a half, seven, maybe. Um, just because it was a little clunky, I felt. But again, if they keep this up, I, I think they'd, they're on to something. I give it a four so far. Yeah. Yeah, there's just too many people staying on brands, which was kind of weird to see. Yeah, that was um, a huge letdown. I was very surprised to see Lacey Evans go ahead of Kevin Owens. Yeah, some of the the order that they went doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense to me. Um, right. And like I, I said, I thought the war rooms were just over the top. I liked it. I just don't think they should have shown it as much as what they did. I mean, I'm sure that that was Fox's doing anyway, but um, I don't know. I mean, I, 
it's progress, you know, and for as much as what people want to, you know, totally crap all over the product or the draft itself, it's like they're trying to give you what you want now that they're on Fox because Fox has given them a lot of money to do just that. So it's, I feel like what they should have done was instead of calling this a draft, call it a superstar shakeup. We're going to get rid of the wild card rule. I don't even think they need to do drafts anymore. I just think they just should just do a superstar shakeup. The first run SmackDown after WrestleMania every year. That's just my opinion. I mean, I, I feel like it's very convoluted, but I can't feel like Raw or USA and Fox brought this upon themselves for making it convoluted because they wanted the wildcard rule to begin with. So I, it's... I, I think I USA wanted the, the rosters to not be split. And then... Because uh, the, USA wanted like certain wrestlers on to kind of boost the rating. So the wild card rule was kind of like WWE's way of getting around what the network wanted. Yeah, but and now that they're on Fox, I guess USA must have had a change of heart or something. I mean, you wrestlers way too big to do that kind of stuff. You know? Two separate brands, just be done with it. So how you feeling? Feeling pretty good. Feeling good too. I, uh, I think I'm going to Hop off and, and play some video games, maybe some WWE 2K. Ooh, I like it. Free plug for the WWE. Yeah, maybe they should sponsor us. Or maybe AEW should come out with a video game. I'm Go okay. Head with them. I would, I would play an AEW video game all day. Although, I did feel a little weird because I made an AEW arena in my WWE game. <laughs> So well, see, if AEW comes out with a video game, you gotta make a WWE arena. Oh, absolutely! I'm gonna make a Raw and SmackDown arena. There you go. And ECW. Uh, yeah. Uh, you wanna hit the show? The Gmail's prowrestlingpod at gmail.com. Once again, prowrestlingpod at gmail.com. Facebook.com/slash prowrestlingpod. Once again, Facebook.com/slash prowrestlingpod. Twitter is at prowpodcast. Once again, at prowpodcast. ProWrestlingPod.blogspot.com. Once again, ProWrestlingPod.blogspot.com. Available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, right here on Anchor. My name is Nick. My name is Matt. See you guys next time. There's no coin flips in wrestling. (laughs) I was waiting for that. We are broadcasting Raw Live from my ass. Boom, boom. I'd rather watch two old women slap my ass. <laughs> Woo. That's as tough as a chunk of my ass. Here comes the biggest ass. The big man is back. Jim Raw, 350 pounds. Say hello to my ass. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the greatest spectacle on earth. My ass. 30 men will enter my ass. You know what I mean. The most important thing to a tag team is my ass. I totally agree with you, JR. Here you go, King. Kiss my ass. I wish you would jump on top of me, JR. It disgusts me to see my ass. My daughter's nursery rhymes are more aggressive than this. I can't help but look at the butt, JR. What? <laughs>